We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. You are listening to the Rotoviz Radio Weekly Recap, where I take you on a tour through the last week in Rotoviz podcasting. I am your host, Kyle Dvorak. Find me on Twitter at FFKyleTheKid. Before we get into some of the great clips we've got this week, I want to remind you that if you want to support the show, you can do so by going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast and you get a exclusive listeners only 30% discount on your Rotoviz subscription sub. Your Rotoviz sub gets you access to more than a dozen apps and over a thousand articles per year. If you want to get an edge in your season-long, your dynasty, or your DFS weeks, it's all happening at Rotoviz. And you can also support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash Rotoviz Radio. You get access to the community of listeners and hosts we've got going on there. And maybe most importantly, you get access to the exclusive Rotoviz live show. Every Sunday before kickoff, we have Rotoviz Radio hosts breaking down the upcoming game, giving you that last-second start-sit advice, that last-minute DFS advice. Whatever you need, you've got it all there, and it gives you a chance to interact with the awesome hosts we've got here at Rotoviz Radio. That being said, we can get into our first clip of the week, coming to you courtesy of the Dynasty Tradecast, talking about the New England running back situation, which is endlessly fascinating because nailing this situation is worth so many fantasy points, and we all do it so wrong every single year. And maybe this clip is just my way of venting Rex Burkhead frustrations because they don't even bring up his name. With that being said, let's get into the clip.
Well, for once, um, we do love talking Patriots running backs with James White and Sonny Michelle. Both players are being productive. Both players are getting plenty of touches. Uh, well, let's start with James White because certainly he's the less talked about, the less valued of the two in the dynasty format. Um, do you think that people are going to start, you know, realizing that James White is an every week startable option in dynasty and make maybe value at that early second, maybe even a late first type value, or do you think he's just a perennial guy who's always going to be cheaper than what his points should cost? I mean, at this point, it's pretty tough to ignore. Um, and the injuries I think have really highlighted, like now that there's no other options, people can't just lean so heavily on their anti-Patriots running back approach to things. Um, but White's, White's a fantastic PPR option. And he's a guy that currently is the RB7 in a PPR league based off the numbers I'm seeing here, Um, which (laughs) this is crazy, Nathan. The RB8 is TJ Yeldon. So I know you like to see that uh, guy you you pounded the table for. Uh, But but yeah, White's, White's one of those guys that I think is sneaky. I have been trying to buy White everywhere I could for a third round pick, was never able to get that through. Uh, But and I think now a second round pick might not be enough. And I, and I don't know. No, that, no, I, I promise you a second's not enough. But I, I and I don't think I could never feel comfortable giving a first for him. I think I think Michelle would be the guy I'd be more interested in targeting. Um, but he's the guy that I had as the as the second option this year for me with with all of my one oh two picks. I took took Michelle wherever I could and didn't have to. Took him at one eleven in a place, as I recall. Uh so he's the guy I would be more interested in. But he's gonna be worth I mean, he's still worth what? A first and a half right now, Nathan. Who is this, Michelle? Michelle. Uh, right now, uh, according to Ryan, he's the third rookie going off the board and the latest ADP going 103 after Barkley and Geis. And yeah, I mean, uh, if it was like too late for Geis is still going ahead of him. That's ridiculous. Uh, I'm not sure it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I mean, as a draft capital zealot, uh, I, I can't say that's ridiculous. Uh, but I think that, I mean, I can't say it's not. I'm, I'm talking backwards here, but. Sonny Michel, uh, I think that, you know, he should be in that 2-3 range. I think clearly uh, there's a there's a big drop-off. For those that believe in guys, um, there's a clear drop-off after, after three. If you don't believe in guys, there's a clear drop-off after, after two. And he, obviously there's, uh, you know, a gap between Barkley and Michelle as well. But I, I think that all we really wanted to see from Michelle was the volume and kind of uh, it's forced the Patriots' hand with some injuries, along mm-hmm. with the fact that Michelle has played well with the opportunity. So, I mean – He's getting the RB opportunities that a first-round running back should be getting. <coughs> Rashad Penny. Um, oh, so, come on, Mike Davis. He's, he's outplaying him, baby. Okay, yeah. So um, I really like what I've seen from Michelle so far. Um, but of the two, certainly, I think White is the better dynasty buy. Yeah, that's an. I mean, because because is White is White. I, I mean, and this is where like valuation wise, is he in that like between a first and a second valuation right now, or you think he's clearly solidified in the first round of like of the one ten spot? I don't. I don't see. I don't think you'll see him traded for a first. So I think yeah, but l- less than a first, more than a second. And I mean, I don't know. It seems too high to, for White for me. I, he just. He just. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I could be very very wrong here. They just. They just when he was in there. For years, they've never been that interested in using him, but maybe he did gain the trust of the whole offense, and he's and he's been very very productive, um, as mentioned the RB seven currently. So uh, I don't know. I, I would I just have a tough time stomaching that one. I have I have a much easier time stomaching the Michelle price tag uh, right now. So I, I don't know. The, I, I think I disagree with you. I think the buy being Michelle, wait for him to have a couple down games, ideally, and then buy him. Yeah, I'm just not sure those down games are really coming. I think that he's going to get that that workload that he needs to continue producing points, other than maybe an injury. 
have to say for me personally, I am much more so on the buy Sony Michelle now train before he becomes too expensive. Because basically, I give a, uh, I give the Dynasty owners a lot of credit. I give the Dynasty players credit for seeing a young player getting volume, even if, say, he's averaging 3.5 yards per carry over the next the next two to three weeks. I know they play Chicago next at Chicago. That could be a difficult matchup. And say they just don't happen to score, especially in a game that could be a shootout if they get in a negative game script early this week against Kansas City. I could see them not giving him the ball a ton, and then next week he just may not be efficient against a, a phenomenal Chicago defense. But if we see a young player getting carries, I think most dynasty owners are willing to forego any lack of actually fantasy scoring just for the simple fact that he's a young running back getting carries this early in his career. Right now, in attempts per game, he is 7th in the league. He did miss their week 1 opener, but since then, 7th per game in attempts. I don't think Dynasty owners will be willing to sell that should it continue. And with no Rex Burkhead on the roster, I think it's reasonable to expect that to continue. If you want Sony Michelle, this may be the cheapest you can get him for the next few years even, if he really is the talent we believe he is. But I digress. Moving on to the next clip from the Rotoviz Radio flagship show with Dave Caven and Matt Freeman. They are breaking down the Atlanta backfield. Devonta Freeman came back last week and now will miss this upcoming week, but I still believe everything they say holds true, except applying it to this week. And the situation for this week is something I will talk about on the other side of this clip. Have a listen. George Costanza Slackers of the Week. Listen, let me ask a question. Could you uh, expand the space underneath the desk? You know, give it a little more uh, headroom. Okay. Tevin Coleman was a guy that we at Rotoviz liked. I've always liked Tevin Coleman. I have to rule he more or less squandered the opportunity that he had as they lead back when Freeman was out. And I'm grouping him as or excuse me, I'm grouping him and Devonta Freeman into the slackers of the week here. Coleman, seven rushes, 15 yards, two receptions, 15. Um, he's averaging just 11 points per game. And then Freeman only added uh, eight rushes for 32 yards, two receptions, nine yards, both outscored by Ito Smith. Granted, Smith only had three carries for five yards, but he did get a touchdown and one reception. You know, not an impressive showing that we've seen from this backfield so far. If you own any of these players now that there's, you know, appears to still be somewhat of Smith in the mix, what are you doing, Matt? Hmm. I mean, I think you're still starting them. It's just, I, I don't know. I'm not taking away too much from this game. Um, I think it was just a horrible game where stuff started to go against them. Uh, and then game script just got away. Um uh, but I, I don't know. I think if you have them, you're starting them. Uh, let me rephrase that. If you have Freeman, I think you're definitely starting him. If you have Coleman, uh, I think he's just someone you sit on your bench. I don't know if you actually can start him at this point because um, a significant share of the workload you expected would be given to him is now going to Ito Smith. Even if it's just like three to four carries per game, those are significant when you're talking about a player who might be in the eight to 12 touch per game range. Yep. So, uh, yeah, at this point, if you have Coleman, I don't think you can you can start him. Uh, Freeman, I think you still start. Right. And, and we'll have to monitor this and see how it plays out. But you make a good point. Even if Smith is taking away three or four opportunities from Coleman a game, that can severely limit his expected points, especially if they're quality touches, which with Smith getting a touchdown um, on Sunday, you know, took away one of those chances for Coleman. Freeman, I think we have seen enough of a sample of him 
throughout the last couple of seasons of being able to produce. First game back, I think the team was still working some things out, as you said, an odd game. I don't think we can view that as indicative of what we're going to expect from him going forward. Nonetheless, I I have to agree on the front of Coleman, it is a little bit troubling. So before I start putting him back into my lineups, I'm going to want to see if things work out and they start reducing the looks going Smith's way. Will Fuller, obviously somewhat banged up yesterday, not at 100%. Three targets, just two catches, 15 yards. I bring him up, not in that I think that this performance is that notable because he was not at 100%, but clearly, we talked about him last week, Kiki Kute, Cutie, however you want to say it. I think people, uh, I think I've heard it different ways. I think it's Kute. I think it's, I think it's, uh, I I was wrong. It's not QT. I think it's, uh, okay. I was pronouncing it like QT. I think it's QT. QT? I don't know. I'm trying to say it the way Al Michaels was. We'll we'll figure out how we're going to say it on the show. But but the question here really is, um, thing about this game is that now we are back to a Tevin Coleman, Ito Smith committee. And while some may look to Tevin Coleman in a game with a 57 and a half point over under, I don't see how you don't look at Ito Smith. He has two games of over double digit touches. And most importantly, he has 10 red zone attempts for the Falcons so far, by far leading the team. And then his red zone targets, he has two targets for two receptions tied with Tevin Coleman. Even if he isn't the lead back, it looks as though they want to use him in the red zone and a game that will see so many trips to the red zone for the Falcons. He has to be in your tournament lineups. I wasn't sure if I was going to play a ton of tournaments this week. I've been doing a lot of DraftKings tiers because that's what I cover at Fantasy Labs. But now I will certainly be making a few tournament lineups just so I can get some exposure to Ido Smith. Before we get into our next clip, I have to tell you about the people over at my bookie. I know you guys have heard me talk about my bookie for weeks. But some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting on my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win. If all of them hit, you can turn 100 into 600, just like that. And it's not just football. You can bet all major sports, including the NCAA football we've got going on later today as this drops Saturday morning. I'm only recommending these guys because I really trust them. This is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all season. MyBookie has been in the business for years. They've got great online reviews. And maybe best of all, their mobile site is extremely easy to use. If you're on the sidelines, now is your time to get into the games. MyBookie will still match your first deposit dollar for dollar, but you have to join now because they'll be pulling that offer soon. Log on to MyBookie right now and double your money. Use the promo code RotoViz and you'll get your first deposit matched 100%. That's promo code RotoViz. You play, you win, you get paid over at MyBookie. The next clip comes to you courtesy of the college... Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right. 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2. Excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. The football show, where they're talking about making bets using historical data and how that can be leveraged to make smarter bets. 
and I like the way they talk about it because it's not specific to a game this week yet. This clip is just talking about the process and how to best leverage that data and maybe pitfalls that often people make when trying to do so. Anytime during the middle of the season we can talk about the process as opposed to a single week, I will choose to give you that clip because I think oftentimes in the middle of the season we're focused on our start sits, we're focused on finding good lines to hit, and we sort of lose track of what's important or at least what makes us money in the long run, and that's the process. And this is a great conversation about said process, courtesy of the College Fantasy Football Show. Have a listen. Just this idea, though, where people use historic data to pick games against the spread is is one of these issues that I don't think people talk about quite enough. Matt, what, what do you think about that whole idea of looking at, you know, a team's history and using that to predict what you think is going to happen when making your bets? I do think there's value to looking at some of these trends. Um, what I always sort of find funny is when you get that cross or when you get these non-contextual ones where they say things like, oh, just for example, Arizona is 3-0 and against the spread against USC in their last five matchups. But you forget to realize, like, well, completely different team and uh, new coach. Uh, so there's there's no real reason to use that number because it's, it's sort of a waste. Uh, I sort of like historical ones. The ones I kind of find interesting are coaching surrounded ones. So like the big one this past week that I sort of ignored was Tom Herman as an underdog is basically a, a lock to cover the spread. And about half the time he'll take the game outright. So... I think there's value to doing it with uh, long-term coaches at a program. I do think it gets a little risky when you're just going based on the team. And so I, I like them. I typically like them more when it's coach one rather than uh, team. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with Matt. I think that with these uh, against the spread trends historically for, for college, I think that you really have to keep it keep an eye out for context around it as far as it's, it's a long list of, you know, players tend, you know, only have four years of eligibility. So the roster turnover is obviously a lot greater than at, at the NFL level where, you know, one team might have the same quarterback for 12 years and quarterback is such a pivotal position. So it's, I, you know, it's, it's different things like that. And also like Matt said, with coaching, not only coaching changes, but then scheme changes, which can affect the way a team approaches a game as far as pace on offense, type of defense they play, how many yards they give up. So there's all these surrounding factors, I think, that play in. So I think that if I had to, I think if I had to give someone a recommendation, I, I, I think that it's worthwhile looking at these trends and, and adding them into your overall analysis as just one small piece of it. But blindly betting these overall trends while it may play out short term i don't necessarily know if that's a winning strategy so i think there is value but i think that it's really just a smaller piece of the larger puzzle when you're when you're breaking games down yeah i think that's useful i i always have tended to turn my nose up at that kind of thinking just because of what you guys said with the high turnover in personnel coaching changes all that kind of stuff i'm always like this is a different team history doesn't really dictate what's going to happen in the present because of those changes. And so I, I largely have ignored it, but the more I've gotten into college football and picking and all this kind of stuff, I see that the vast majority 
of people, like you look at CBS or ESPN and some of the other big networks, their experts tend to use this logic of historic trends and data to make their picks. And so I was like, okay, am I way off base here or or not? And, and I tend to be uh, a little bit more skeptical of things anyway. It took about 30 years for me to finally give in to the idea that momentum is a real thing, even though it can't be quantified. I, for the longest time, refused to believe in momentum, but I, I, it, I finally came around on that one. So maybe I'll come around on this as well. But uh, yeah, I just thought it would be interesting to talk about because I've been hearing so much about it. And in the one week I finally used some of that, that logic, it, it burned me with my NC State pick. The final clip of the week comes to you courtesy of the High Stakes Lowdown, where Eric Balkman, a veteran high stakes player, has on a different high stakes player every week. This week in the clip, it's Jason Abarelli talking about his process of using the waiver wire and how he can leverage that into winning championships just as opposed to maybe just getting a, a filler player or getting that tight end. But more importantly, how you can use the waiver wire to make those big moves and win in the long run. Here's the clip. Jason, one of the things that, and, and I, I know listeners to this podcast know, one of the things that I've struggled with on my teams over the last, you know, whatever it's been, uh, however long I've been playing, um, you know, high stakes stuff, uh, 10 plus years or whatever, um, it, it's bye weeks and looking ahead and trying to make sure, you know, because like when I'm playing in my basement leagues or, or you know, uh, home leagues or whatever, I can wait until, you know, I like take this week for instance i can wait till week five is over see who i need see who i need to to fill in at flex or quarterback or tight end or or what have you and i'll be okay but these higher stakes leagues um it's difficult to do that because so much of the talent is gobbled up and you kind of got to look forward not just one week but sometimes two three weeks in advance to try to figure out you know, make your best guess at what your roster is going to look like. So you're not caught with your pants down and, and starting as we alluded to earlier, somebody like Wendell Smallwood or something like that. Um, I'm curious how far in advance when, when you're managing these teams, how far in advance do you look at bye weeks uh, when you're adding guys off the waiver wire to not only fill the open spots in your lineups for that week, but in, in future weeks that you know, when you know, you're going to need somebody. Well, definitely look forward a couple weeks. Um, you know, I generally get an idea of, of how many spots I got to fill and, um, and and what what the waiver wire looks like. When you're doing these these high stakes leagues, it's funny the waiver wires. I mean, they're they're probably 96, 98 percent the same same people available on the waiver wires in every single league. So you you have a flavor of what's available. But I'm looking ahead probably two weeks, two three weeks. Uh, my drafting strategy is I don't even consider bye weeks when i'm drafting i take the best players and according to my plan i don't even really worry if if i've got a ton of bye weeks in the same week Uh, i know a lot of people are probably different on that but uh, my theory is everybody's going to sit out one week and if i've got my team for every week but one and i lose that week you know so be it i mean most of these leagues are the people that win it have one or two losses anyway so you know i've got my full strength team the rest of the weeks um, and, and, and the other thing that, that you can't really project too many weeks ahead in advance is because when these guys come available on the waiver and become hot waiver wire guys, it's usually because of injury. Um, and you, you know, you can't predict who's going to get hurt. Obviously. Um, I, I do try and, and, and look ahead and, and I try to find the guys that I've always looked for the guys that if one thing changes, they could actually step in and, and, and do the job. 
So, example, you know, if if Dallas, if Ezekiel Elliott gets hurt, I think Rod Smith could step in and actually be a starting running back and be productive. Um, take another team, Washington. You know, this week Adrian Peterson's questionable. Chris Thompson, I, I don't know what the news is today, but hurt his ribs at the end of the game. Could, could pre-bibs actually get in there and keep that job for a couple weeks? I don't think so. I mean, the guy is third string for a reason, you know. So, so I try to try to target the guys that, if there's an injury that happens, you know, something, one thing that happens, could they step in and, and be productive in that role going forward? And, and those are the kind of guys that I target. Yeah. Uh, as far as looking ahead on 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 waiver wire on bye weeks, I do want defenses. That's for sure because I think most people look ahead one week, you know, or the week they're actually in. And, you know, that, that defense that plays a great home matchup, you know, they're going to go for a lot. So I'm trying to look forward, you know, two and three weeks on my defenses. I'm definitely trying to about, you know, probably week eight, week nine, I'm trying to look forward into the playoffs and, you know, get my defense, get get two defenses that, that mix together really well for that playoff run. Because, like I said earlier, my main goal is to win that main event. So I'm kind of target everything towards weeks 14 through 16. advice there and the guy we've already talked about I want to get ahead of the curve on is Ito Smith if you're in a league and Ito Smith is available he should not be available by the time you hear this podcast you need to pick him up and you also need to check out rotaviz.com forward slash podcast of course check out our sponsor my bookie and if you want access to the community of awesome rotaviz listeners and the host from the clips you hear every week patreon.com forward slash rotaviz radio thanks for tuning in Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.